1: Hello, Persis. Hello, Sarah. How are you on this fine, fine evening? Actually, the sky is like cotton candy right now for me. Is that what it looks like for you? Let me look. Let me look. It's really cool. It's like blue, pink, orange, all swirled together. It almost looks like a cotton candy ice cream cone.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's darker here, but Mm. the, the clouds do have a little tint of pink and they're very fluffy
1: fluffy just like my cat
0: yeah olivia got a glammed up look today
1: olivia got groomed today and i'll have to post a picture so everyone can see she looks like a floofy little princess and that is how she should always look if you ask me
0: oh yeah she is an absolute diva if you ask me
1: this is kind of gross and maybe tmi so probably cut this out but her butt like she couldn't clean her own butt because she's so fat She's like a really, really fat man coon. So she couldn't reach. So her butt was like just a disaster zone. And so the groomer, (laughs) the groomer sent me a before and after pic of her ass, (laughs) um, which I never thought would be something that I would be texted.
0: Wait, is there anything you can do to help
1: her? We've been trying to help her like clean it ourselves, like with the, the cloth. And she really like, it was super hard. She wouldn't let us come near her. She would, clawed (laughs) us like she clearly was like upset about the situation and was Mm -hmm. embarrassed and was like you bitches better not even come near my butt right now um so we were like let's get a professional to do it and the professional was like you gotta like get in there on a daily basis (laughs) we were like god damn it we don't know how but we're gonna have to because like this girl she is a curvy lady
0: and we love her for it we love her and her curvies we do but you gotta clean the butt, then, girl. Do it. Get in there and do it now. Like, do it. Do it like so it doesn't build up.
1: I gotta take a good old like twenty minute break to clean my cat's ass. So yeah, for me, if you're looking for me, that's where I'll be.
0: <laughs> well, listen, it's not that. <laughs> I was gonna
1: make a joke. <laughs> I was
0: gonna say it's not. It's not that joke. shitty. It's. <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna say? <laughs> okay. Yours was funnier. <laughs> <laughs> that was yours. Mine was, it's not that different from living with me because you had to take 20 minutes out of your day to clean my ass.
1: Oh, that's so true. See, mine's funnier because yours is more accurate.
0: True. No, Sarah jumped <laughs> at the opportunity.
1: Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Ew, uh... You want to know what I did today?
0: I think yes. you'd appreciate it. Always. So um, in our apartment, we have this window in the living room. So right when you open it up, it's almost like a little mini balcony. You can't step onto it. But you saw it, Sarah, when you came by a long time yeah, ago. cute. Sarah had a mask on when she came over. I had a mask. Yeah, I, I opened it. And it feels very free. Oh, right? It.
1: It's like Rapunzel.
0: Very much Rapunzel. But I started singing It's All Coming Back to Me by Celine Dion. Yes. So loud with my wine <laughs> and just yelling. <laughs> Today? Yes. This like, <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. And then what?
0: At like 5 PM. No, people were like walking down the alleyway and I was just, they could fully see me. It was so clear. And I was just, it felt so free.
1: That would feel, <laughs> that would feel truly liberating. I think. Yeah.
0: It was beautiful. I want to, I'm going to do it more often after a long work day. Just, just sing from that window. <laughs>
1: Can you tell the listeners why that song is important to us? What what memory it brings up?
0: <laughs> it's very, very important. It's actually our song, if um, anyone asks.
1: Yeah. I know you guys were all wondering. One, the lyrics are very, uh, very accurate. There were flashes of gold and there were flashes of light. There were nights <laughs> of endless pleasure. And baby, 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 when you hold me like this and when you touch me like that, it was lost long ago, but it's. I feel like it's all coming back to me now. So I was actually thinking of, an ex- of a specific memory with us, a specific moment. Do you want me to tell the story? Maybe I'll tell it because it was it was my experience to have. Okay, so, so Sarah's perspective. Okay, let me set the scene. It's Valentine's Day. It's 2016? Mm-mm. 2017. 2018. 2018. Okay. I am single. Persis is single we barely even care that it's valentine's day or so i thought and when i say single i mean we're not dating anyone other than each other i am working that night because why bother doing why bother not making some money off of other people in love and i come home to the apartment all the lights are off and i open the door and there's a trail of rose petals (laughs) lining the front hallway and i get into the main room and there's like a sign and it's or the or i don't think it's a sign i think the rose petals veer off one goes into my room and one goes into persis's room and meanwhile celine dion's is all coming back to me now iconic music video is playing on the tv so it's a pretty romantic setting if you ask me i go into my room first i follow those rose petals and I find one single rose on my pillow, with a picture of Timothy Chalamet, I believe, mm-hmm. my one true love. And then I go I follow the rose petals to Persis's room, and I open the door, and she's ass naked. And then, we f- <laughs> yeah,
0: wow, wow, yeah. Was-
1: <laughs> no, I open the door. I open the door. Persis was lying on her bed in a bathrobe and a glass of wine. I what else? I think that was it. I was in your bathrobe. She was in my bathrobe, drinking a glass of red, lounging on the bed, just waiting for me to come home. And it was, to this day, the best Valentine's Day I've ever had. Oh my
0: God. So I beat your boyfriend.
1: 100%. It was
0: very, like, romantic. I really, like, upped the romance. There were candles. I think there was, like, a few candles. There were
1: candles. Yeah, there were candles, (laughs) rose petals yeah but the Celine Dion really made it like as soon as I walked in obviously I saw the rose petals but the song was playing in the video and I was like something and going on up in here and at first at first I genuinely was like person's of like a date over <laughs> should I go should Stop. I go I was like first well why would I think that you set that up for me
0: okay but if I had a date over and you had no idea if I was talking to anyone
1: like I don't think I was talking to a single soul around that That, time that's true that would be weirder if you just like planned that for a date and didn't tell me okay Percy Buns we should probably dive into this episode because it's already getting a little late we got a lot to cover we got a lot to cover because but before we jump into the episode I wanted to talk about one quick thing from our previous episode. I feel like this kind of keeps happening. Like now that we're building a bit of a listenership, <clears throat> we have people who like will listen to the episode and then reach out and comment on it and have like fun things to, to tell us about. And I just feel like those stories are so great to tell. So in our last episode, which was how to date when you Wayne straight, we were talking about queer people going up and hitting on strangers at bars and other places like that and how we were wondering... If it's harder for gay men to do that because they they don't really know what they're going to get in response, mm-hmm. and what they get from another man might potentially be violent or harassy. Harassy. <laughs> <laughs> harassy. I'm just going to make that a word. Anyway, but we weren't sure, and we were saying we wish we could ask him a gay man right now. Anyway, our good friend Kyle, who you all know from a previous episode where we interviewed him... He is a gay man, and he was listening to the episode and he reached out to us and was like, "Hey guys, here's the answer to your question." And he said that we were correct. He said, most gay men actually don't feel safe or comfortable just going up and, and hitting on a, another man if they're not in a gay bar or a queer space. If they're, he said if they're in a gay bar or a queer space, it's a lot it definitely feels a lot safer, it definitely feels a lot more. Yeah, it just feels safer to do so. Mm-hmm. But if they're not in a not in a queer space, then he said, "This is what he said. I don't know if I'm getting side eyed for being gay. I don't know who's in these types of bars and clubs. I could get, I could easily get called an f word. It's that added level of insecurity." And he was saying how there's all these different layers that gay men have to look out for because hetero men tend to be prone to hate crimes, violence, um, and they traditionally. This is a stereotype, but it is what, you know, statistics tell us, that straight men tend to get more offended because they don't want to be associated with being gay. They have these insecurities. They have these, you know, fragile masculinity, and it makes them more likely to be aggressive, to lash out because they don't want to seem feminine. They don't want to seem gay. So because of all those layers of masculinity, gay men have to deal with a lot more when they're deciding whether they should go up and hit on a man. So true. So he also said, it depends on where you are in the world. Kyle said if he was in a dive bar in Fredericton, New Brunswick, there's a lot more risk for him. He said not even to go up and hit on a guy, but to simply just be in the bar. Yeah. Whereas if he did that in Toronto, probably wouldn't be as uncomfortable or as risky. Mm-hmm. Um. But overall, he says that he feels it's actually easier for gay men to spot each other and identify each other in public spaces. And this kind of goes back to what we were saying about with, about women um, and how you're, you're like, it's, it's almost impossible for me to tell if a woman is gay, um, especially because androgynous style has become so modern and popular for both gay and straight women. So you know what I mean? So it's, it's really hard to tell. Um, and he said, typically for gay men, like they, can, they have a good gaydar. They can like spot each other. Um. So it's a little bit That's it's a nice little bit of a buffer, especially if they're in a gay space where they can be like, ah, I know you're gay over there. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to share that because I think that we were wondering it and then we got the answer from this is Kyle's perspective only, but we got an I got an answer from a gay man. And mm-hmm. I think that it was it was interesting. I liked what he had to say. I didn't like what he had to say, but I liked that he was able to kind of offer his perspective. Yeah. And
0: it's very real, right? It kind of goes into like, it's, it's not easy for either, either side. Because I think we were kind of saying, I wonder if it is easier for, for a gay man to go hit on another man. But the fact is, is like, you know, just to reiterate, yeah, sure. It's easier to maybe spot another gay man than it is for like another gay woman to spot a gay woman. But the fact is that like, we're, there's still a fear there. And a still, there's still a fear of not being safe um if you're not in a queer space.
1: Totally. Totally. And in this this isn't just for gay men, but but it exists. Yeah, for queer yeah. for queer people. Especially he was saying for trans um trans people. Yes.
0: Yes, especially. And why?
1: Girl, we are about to get into a lot of whys, whats, hows, whos, whens because this episode is All about questions straight people are too afraid to ask. Persis, I've been wanting to do this topic for so long. I feel like we've been talking about it. We've talked about this topic since like the beginning, since we first thought of starting this project, and just coming from the straight perspective and being sometimes in circles where there's a whole bunch of straight people who are have questions or, or say things that I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that, or like I just I know there are so many questions out there and people are in the age of cancel culture afraid to ask them so we kind of put out an open an open call we asked friends we asked family we put it on our instagram stories anyone and everyone any questions you have about the queer community whether whether you're straight or queer but most of the questions were from straight people if you could ask anything with zero judgments what would you ask and we got a lot of questions
0: we wrote them all down, ladies and gents, and everyone in between, and we are going to dive into them. We're very excited, maybe like a little nervous because I mean, Sarah and I as well will be fully transparent. We're also still learning, but we did the research and also just kind of based on also what we believe in in general. That I think we can offer that perspective, but we just want you guys to know that this is just our perspective solely, and um, it can still continue to be open. And we're like happy
1: to discuss totally if you have any questions. That's such a good point. Yeah, I don't want anyone to think that we are about to answer these questions. We're going to be talking about these questions and Persis from the queer perspective is going to be giving her her opinions, her beliefs based on the questions that are geared towards the queer community. And then, yeah, we've done some research, but guys, we're not answering these questions because we do not know the answers to everything. We're just chatting about them and trying to figure out how we can all find some common ground.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ready for the first one, Sarah? Ready. Okay. Question one. Is it okay to acknowledge or ask questions about someone's sexuality or gender, or should straight people just treat it like nothing is different at all, not ask questions? Similar to how we wouldn't question anything if the person was hetero.
1: Yeah. So this question came from someone who actually works closely with the disabled community. And they were saying that they find um, disabled people actually would prefer to be treated completely normal um, and for their disability to not be acknowledged explicitly, to be treated like they're exactly the same as someone who's not disabled. And so this person was kind of saying, like, I've noticed this and I've always wondered this about the queer community, especially when I'm about to interact with someone who might be, you know, trans, non-binary, or queer. Is it okay for me to ask? Is it okay for me to Um, not just ask questions, but just acknowledge the fact that they might be queer or whatever it is. And I I thought it was an interesting question. I think that there are two sides to the coin. It reminded me a lot of a lot of these conversations around race where people say, I don't see color. But then in recent years, a lot of people have come back at that and said, we can't be colorblind. We are different colors. And instead of pretending that's not the fact... We should be embracing that, celebrating our differences and talking to each other about what those differences mean. I definitely veer more towards that side of things when it comes to any, any of this stuff, sexuality, race, gender, even, um, even disabilities, anything that makes someone different, Mm -hmm. I would rather embrace it, embrace it. Yeah. I'd rather everyone talk about it because for me... It feels like when we don't acknowledge it, it makes it seem wrong or, or weird or like an elephant in the room or something.
0: Yeah. And I also think all these differences are what makes us individuals. And I feel like everyone's story is like meant to be told. And I understand that, you know what, we don't question anything if a person is hetero because unfortunately, in the way we've grown up, being heterosexual is a societal norm. And I mean, right. I just think just in terms of queer, like specifically, I, I I love this question too. And I feel like maybe we shouldn't question it, the sexuality or the gender and just like maybe act like whatever, like everything's good. But I, I do agree with you where I feel like we need to embrace that we're all different and maybe, maybe even talk about how someone's hetero. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's not stop. Like, let's not just think, oh yeah, yeah. they're hetero, whatever. Like Kind of like how we have Girl on Girl, where I think I ask you questions as like you being a hetero woman, and then you ask me questions of me being like a gay woman. It's just yeah. let's open up the convo and like maybe we can learn more about each other. And um even back to the race question too. I, I never liked when people say,
1: I don't see color.
0: No, I'm very visibly a brown woman, and I want you to see me as a brown woman.
1: Right, right. Especially as a brown woman who has grown up in a, in a very white environment, you spent a lot of time like blending into this white environment, and you—that's not you. You, you are an Indian girl.
0: Yeah, and I'm and, embracing and,
1: it. Yeah, and I think that's where it makes me feel like when we, when we don't acknowledge the fact that you're Indian. It's like we're saying that being Indian is different or weird. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's what people mean, but that's kind of where my head goes. But then when we talk about it and we can talk about like South Asian culture and stuff, it's exciting. It's it's a celebration. It's um, learning and opening. That's, that's how I see it.
0: Yeah. And I think the more we open up and we want to learn about everyone's differences, it, it'll all become normalized because – For sure, when I was growing up in such a white world, I never felt um, othered, but I definitely had moments of kind of being like, I was so wrapped up in just kind of being in a white world that I would even forget about my Indian culture sometimes. Yeah. To the point where like my friends would say like, you're so, um, you're like the whitest Indian girl I've ever met. And I never used to take it as like a insult. I always kind of would laugh at it. But then later, like when I started to become even more comfortable with my culture and even learning about my own culture and loving it, I was like, no, I'm not the whitest Indian girl you'll ever meet. I'm Indian. And that's just how it is. And yeah, I grew up in a very white world, but that doesn't mean I'm white.
1: Yeah, I'm a product of, I'm a product of the environment I was raised in, but I'm Indian, bitch. That should be my um, Instagram bio. (laughs) Should I write your Instagram bio for you? Yes. It's something about Britney Spears now or something. It's I'm
0: Indian bitch.
1: (gasps) Oh, hey. I think Britney would really appreciate that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm the Indian Britney. Yeah. Oh my God.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well you Persis when Persis was um getting into DJing, she wanted her <laughs> shtick to be like mixing South Asian music, Bollywood yeah. music with like modern great, great mo- either modern or like throwback tracks, like mixing toxic with like, you know, your your fave Bollywood.
0: Oh, and guys, for anyone who knows, there's a lot of Bollywood. If have, for any of Britney's stands, there's so many Bollywood tracks mixed with her songs and they sound great. So what if that could be my tagline like I'm Indian, bitch.
1: <laughs> yeah, This is girl. iconic. <laughs> yeah, girl. Wow. I'm just saying you should whip out the turntable again because I missed that. I missed that phase. I'll whip it out for pride. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for pride. So
0: how should we sum up this question, do you think?
1: I think, I think you should sum it up coming from the queer perspective. What do you think about this question? Do you think that it is okay to acknowledge and ask questions about someone's sexuality or gender? Or do you think people should just act like it's completely normal and there's nothing to ask a question about?
0: I think that um, totally it's okay to acknowledge and ask questions about someone's sexuality. If you're genuinely curious, right? Like, don't be afraid to. Don't think like, no, 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 I shouldn't ask them because no one would be asking me this if I'm hetero. No. I think if you have the questions, ask it. But I also think it is important to normalize it. That doesn't mean that we're not um, realizing that we're all unique and we all have different like lives and stories and partners and friends. Like we all have different aspects of our life. So this is just a part of me that could be different from you. But don't be like, I can't ask her because then I'm not like treating her like it's normal. No, you're treating me normally but you're just asking me more about my sexuality. And to be fair, and I'm gonna say this and I think a lot of queer people could agree with me, is that every queer person usually has like some sort of story to tell. And I think it's important that right. we share our stories because they're all different and it all brings us together yeah. at the end of the day because we all have that thing that made us realize, okay, I'm
1: queer. Yeah. That's <laughs> Let's like good talk about point. it. That's a good point, right? Like you you, you do have a story to tell. And every queer story I've heard has been unique in its own way and really, really interesting to hear. The last thing I'll say before we move on to the next question, just because I'm realizing this actually will tie into all of the questions, I found a really great resource from the National Center for Transgender Equality, which we'll dive into a little later for one of our other questions about the trans community. But they had this really good um, kind of guide for for questions. For questions about the trans community specifically, but I think these apply to all questions about the queer community about race about anything that you're nervous to ask questions about and they said before you ask a question ask yourself these three questions okay the first one is why do I want to know this information the second one is would I feel comfortable if someone asked these questions of me and the third one is would I ask this question to a non-trans or queer person in a similar situation so I liked this little guide because it's a good way to kind of check yourself first before you ask a question. I totally agree with you, Purse. I think asking questions is great, and that's the whole point of this podcast, and that stories should be shared, but I do think there is a fine line, right? I do think there is a balance that kind of needs to happen, um, and that it is also equally important for all people, but straight people especially, to pause. That's this this um, this resource I found talks about pausing first before asking a question, and just asking yourself these questions first so for example if i wanted to ask if i met you persis and i wanted to ask um if you were queer you know asking myself first well why do i want to know this information maybe i maybe i genuinely want to get to know you more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um i feel like i'll get to know you better if i know your sexuality i don't know like asking myself what it is if i'm just if i'm just kind of curious or if i actually like want to learn more, maybe, and be educated. Um, Would I feel comfortable if someone asked these questions of me? I personally would feel comfortable if someone asked me if I was queer or not. And would I ask this question to a non-queer person in a similar situation? Totally. If I was talking to someone about sexuality and asked them, where are you on the spectrum? Are you queer, straight, somewhere in between? Where are you at? Um, So I thought that was a cool guide. And I just wanted to kind of preface that as we go through all these questions, I think it's kind of something we should all think about before we ask these questions.
0: Yeah, I agree. Just the three questions, everyone.
1: Okay. Question number two. I see people are using pronouns to describe themselves like he, him, or she, her. Why is this?
0: I love that question. That's very- Me too.
1: (laughs) No, I think that's very
0: fair. Um, Especially now with Instagram, um, you know, adding that- uh, new feature that you can, you can literally put this in your bio or um it's like a part of it. So you don't have to just have it typed. It's like, it'll say Persisan she, her, Sergio, she, her. Love yeah. that. I love and that. And people are
1: putting it in like their email signatures and stuff too.
0: Yes. Which I think is also very important, especially when you're communicating like over like totally virtual, someone you haven't met before. You don't want to assume anything, especially if you just see their name, you don't know. Right. yeah So I find this really interesting because I think this does go into the conversation about how gender can be a social construct. So like what even defines a male or a female? And then like, instead I like to look at it as like, how do you feel, Sarah? Like how, what, who do you feel like you are inside? How do I feel like I am inside? And I think like this goes into breaking down these boxes that we've been put into as children as early as like literally being born or when our parents find out the gender of the baby and maybe you have a gender reveal party. Yeah, it's a boy or yeah, it's a girl. It's like, I don't know. There's so much pressure being surrounded of like, is your child going to be a girl or a boy? And I think like, I don't know. There's so much more to that. And there's so much more to a human, like just based on depending on what their gender is. And um, I like to look into like, who do you feel you are? So, and I think the reason why it's like, why are people using that to describe themselves? I think it's almost like, um, I don't want to say like respect. I don't think respect is the right word, but I think it's like, you're not assuming anything and we're going into it being open. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, because how am I to know that maybe you're like a very female presenting air quotes person, but how do I know how you identify? I don't know. What do you yeah. think there?
1: Yeah, I think everything you said, I agree with, but I think on a base level, the answer to this question, um, why are people using these pronouns to describe themselves? I think that we now more than ever have discovered this difference between how we, are the gender we have biologically when we're born and then the gender that we identify as, that we feel in our bodies and in our hearts, um, And I was just actually having this conversation with a straight person recently about how that difference can be confusing, it's where a lot of hate comes from, it's where a lot of arguments stem from, and it's where a lot of these questions that we're about to go into stem from as well. Um, But if we're talking about just why people are using these pronouns, it's to meet that second part of gender, that part of how you feel and how you identify. It's To me, it's, it's just a separate thing from biology. Let's just take biology out of it. Let's take genitalia. Let's just forget about it for a second. And when someone's using he, him, she, her, they, them, whatever it is, they are telling you how they personally feel inside and how they would like to be referred to. And that's kind of like the base level, right? And we can dive so much further into that, but I think base level when you see that someone is like – hi, I identify as he, him, then you say, nice to meet you. That's, that's, um, Sarah. And he is a nice person. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just use, use the pronouns, um, out of consideration for what they want to be referred to as.
0: And that's the thing. It's just, what do they want? This is, this is how they feel. So why do anything else? Like why assume anything different? And, um, yeah. I
1: agree. Yeah. And we're going to dive into like a lot. There were basically so many of these questions were about pronouns and tra- and the trans community, which I was excited about because I was hoping we'd get some questions around those and then um, almost everyone was asking about it because I think it's confusing right now. It's kind of new. And people are like, "What's going on? What do we what do we do?" And it's okay um, to be confused. Totally. And I, even I am I'm like been I have been really enjoying learning about this and like researching it because it can be a little confusing at first and you gotta gotta just like do the research. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Okay, girl, what is question number three?
0: Is there another word for ally? Can straight people be queers too?
1: I thought this question was really interesting. So the person who asked this question says, They want to show solidarity, but they don't like the word ally because it sounds so formal and it can often have a connotation of being a freedom fighter. This person said that they knew they were speaking from a place of privilege, but they would love to have a way to identify that feels fun, lighthearted, and signifies, hey, I see you, you deserve equal rights as me, and I also love drag race. (laughs) I love that. And I get it.
0: I actually kind of understand where they're coming from, where they're saying ally feels very formal like I'm totally. an ally.
1: And I've actually never thought of it as 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 sounding formal and as soon as this person said that I was like it does feel that way and and I've had queer people reach out to us and thank me I guess for my allyship. I definitely feel like I identify with that, but I thought it was an interesting point and I was it, it got me thinking like what else what are some other ways we could maybe describe this this position in In culture. And it got me thinking: does the queer community like the term ally? Does it feel good to them? Personally,
0: I do. I like the term ally. I have so many people in my life, my lives.
1: My lives. My nine lives. (laughs) In my many (laughs)
0: lives. Sorry, I was gonna say, in my life, I have so many allies, and I'm always happy to call them allies. I never I've never had an issue with that word. But if we wanted to say what could another word be that could be a little bit more lighthearted? And I like that. It signifies like, hey, I see you and you deserve equal rights. I love drag race. Let's watch it together. I know this sounds like simple, but sometimes I'd even say like, you're just a friend or you're a support. Maybe support can also be, I don't know, maybe not the best word, but I, I think support, you're, you just know like you're there for that person. And that's the same thing as a friend. If I'm a friend to you, I'm there for you.
1: Yeah, I I really love that and I think um the uh, one part of the question that this person was asking was can straight people be queers too. And I that brought up some interesting stuff for me. My first thought was my first thought was no because k- kind of this fine line we're talking about as much as we do all want equal rights, it's clear that the queer community has their own their own thing their own struggles their own stories their own perspective and that's that uniqueness is important and I think it needs to be celebrated and it does need to have its own separate kind of thing in order to be celebrated so um, my first instinct was like straight people can't just be queers but then I was thinking about the spectrum and how I don't even know what it's hard to even know exactly what straight means anymore you know what I mean and so that maybe we can get to a point where like everyone's queer. Do <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where everyone's on the spectrum.
0: That's a good point because I don't even think we've ever talked about this, but what does straight even mean?
1: Yeah. And so that, I mean, that's, that sounds like we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole, but I, I, I think that's honestly where things are heading. And we've kind of talked about that in past episodes. But apart from that, just to kind of wrap up this question... The whole freedom fighter thing I thought would would be pretty important for us to touch on that. There's this really great article on Vox that's written by Anna Valens, um, who is a queer trans woman. And she writes a really interesting article about what ally means and how there are good allies and bad allies for the queer community. And she says... There are two kinds of allies, those who lift up the queer community and those who seem most concerned with lifting up themselves. And she calls out Taylor Swift's music video for You Need to Calm Down, which, um, you know, was full of glitter and rainbows and, you know, every single popular queer person, it seemed, um, from Todrick Hall to Haley Kiyoko to the guys from Queer Eye was in the video. And what she says is that, while some people saw this as like bringing queer visibility to the masses, others saw it as another pop star playing around with queer imagery without talking much about LGBTQ people's actual lives. Swift's song looks like a powerful example of allyship on the surface, but it is just on the surface. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is what this writer feels. That's, that's her perspective. And then she kind of goes into Pride Month and how every single brand tries to hop on Pride Month. Rainbow washing.
0: Rainbow washing. Rainbow
1: washing. Yes. Thank you. Which you've experienced because you work in advertising and and even going to Pride, you see it. Brands like corporate brands being like Pride. You know what I mean? Of course. And this is actually one of my biggest pet peeves ever. I don't like it if
0: a brand is just going to slap a rainbow on their label. Or, and you know, have they ever shown any like real support to the queer community in the past? Like people who've really like are dying, they're homeless. Teen homelessness is so huge for the LGBT community. Are you support, are you actually like supporting these charities? Are you doing anything that's actually tangible rather than like having a really fun float? Like, you know, go through the, go through the streets of Toronto. I don't know. So
1: it's a fine line. It's a fine line between like surface level and what you're actually doing to, and we're not saying like you need to be donating all your money in order to be an ally, but you need to be educating yourself if you want if you want to be a true ally, you need to be like doing the work, talking to queer people. But just to finish off, they this article spoke to. Um, Teen Vogue's political news editor, her name's Lucy Diavallo and she's also the co-founder of the Trans Feminine Alliance of Chicago. And she said this quote, which I thought was interesting, as a queer trans woman, my life is often misery. So when I see corporations or big name artists trying to tap into some sanitized version of my identity that's only about the fun parts, I feel alienated. That huge part of my experience are erased. Huge parts of my experience are erased. Uh, and then she says, "Being queer is about joy, but that joy is often tempered by a great deal of pain. It is through that bitterness that the sweetness is that much sweeter." Oh wow! I thought that was a really good quote, and it kind yeah. of paints it kind of paints a picture of like how it's really easy to like slap a rainbow on your music video and be like, "I'm an ally," and that that um, doesn't always represent the queer community. So just something to keep in mind when we're talking about allyship um, I thought it tied into this question a little bit.
0: I don't want to be like hating on example, like Taylor Swift. I think I actually think Taylor's lovely. And I think that, and I, but I did have those same thoughts for sure. As a queer woman, when I saw the, you need to calm down video, I had that like weird react. I had the reaction I didn't want. I was like, this feels like, yeah, you, you know, you're right. Like there's so many, there's so much more that the queer community has to go through than just like, slapping rain like like dancing around and having such a good time totally. and like rainbows and glitter Glitter, and yeah everything is
1: so big it's just like and not every queer person identifies with that anyway like that that's a certain that's a certain representation of of queerness but it's not the whole picture not even close I mean Taylor Swift she's she's doing her best <laughs> totally no 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 but... she is she is <laughs> to be fair though Taylor Swift does actually fight for for queer rights um, politically.
0: I did um, know that. I did know yeah. that, and that's why, like, I don't. She's not just someone who's just just doing nothing. Performative. Yeah, she's not a performative like activist for the queer community.
1: So yeah, I like I like ally, but how about friend support support system bestie? Question four: Can trans people customize their body while they're transitioning? So. To be honest, I actually couldn't find the answer to this question. We feel like the answer is probably no.
0: I know. And like we said, we, we don't. That was kind of my first reaction. I was like, customize? Like, no.
1: Yeah. Like uh, the person was basically asking like, can they, can a trans woman like choose the size of her breasts if she, if she gets, if she gets um, like breast implants or can a trans man choose the size of his penis? And I honestly could not find the answer. But we did do a little bit of research into trans-related surgeries mm-hmm. that we thought might be kind of interesting to dive into this question a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think one thing that I want to go back to with this question is that first question you ask yourself, why do I want to know this information? I think with this question in particular, that that comes up for me a bit. I'm like, if you have that question, that's totally fair. You might be curious, but why do you want to know that information? Why? Is it just because you're curious? Then maybe, maybe it's, maybe not something that you should be asking a trans person. Mm -hmm. Did you get to pick how big your dick is, for example? Mm -hmm. Maybe isn't the question you should be asking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's nuances, but... This question feels like it veers a bit more on the side of like something you just might be curious about for your own curiosity. And then maybe you do your own research um, (laughs) before you ask a trans person. But what we discovered was that first of all, there isn't one transition related surgery that transgender people may have. In fact, there are many different surgeries that transgender people may undergo. These include surgeries that change facial features such as brow lifts and rhinoplasties, reconstruct the chest, sometimes known as top surgery, such as mastectomies and augmented mammoplasties. This is what Elliot Page got. And he just posted this like cutie freaking photo of him by the poolside. Trans babies for swim trunks or something. It looked amazing. So cute. I loved it. Um, Other surgeries can remove internal sex organs like a uterus or ovaries. Um, Reconstruct external genitalia. So surgically constructing a penis or a vagina. And uh, other surgeries can also make someone's voice more typically feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different surgeries that trans people can get. It's not just about penises and boobs, although I know that some people, that's all they can think about. But it's this resource that we found. Um, once again, it is from the National Center for Transgender Equality And it's a really cool resource. We can maybe link it in the show notes. It's called Questionable Questions about Transgender Identity. And it's kind of like this podcast episode. It just lists all the questions that trans people get, the answers to the question, and then a section with each that says why you should maybe pause before asking this question. Not why you shouldn't ask it, but why you should maybe pause and why it might be maybe uncomfortable for the trans person to answer. So it's a really great resource. And this resource tells us that it's important to remember that no surgeries turn someone into a man or a woman. And transgender people's genders are no less real or worthy of respect if they haven't had particular surgeries or other medical treatments. So just because someone hasn't got top surgery, for example, doesn't mean that they're not, uh, they don't identify as a man. So I thought that was important to note. And yeah, don't know if people can customize, but. At the end of the day, does it really matter if you're not a trans person? If you are trans and thinking of getting surgery, maybe that's something you'd ask, right? But I think at the end of the day, it's it's great to research what goes into trans surgeries and and um talk to trans people about kind of like their transitions. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and you know, just like their journey, sure. Totally. Just like totally. maybe, maybe centered around that more so I, I like the way you framed that more than like, can you can you choose your boob size or the size of your dick Hmm. definitely pause before you do that because would you want like would you want someone asking you that kind of question like anyway no it's very personal and it's a little
1: weird a little creepy yeah so um yeah once again like no judgment to this question told honestly it's a totally fair question i've I've probably thought this before but if you're going to talk to a trans person maybe pause a second before asking persis what's question five
0: is it okay to ask someone's pronouns or how they identify when you meet them for the first time? I think that's amazing. I personally think it's actually a great way to like ease into getting to know someone. And obviously like when you're meeting someone naturally in a in a setting for the first time, it might not be the first thing you you say off the top of your head, but I think as the conversation goes, it's totally okay to kind of be like, "Oh, by the way, like how do you identify? Just just want to be sure before I start to assume." I think it's kind of amazing and getting into pronouns, I pronouns, <laughs> getting into pronouns. Um, I, it's something that I, I personally haven't um, done before, especially pre-COVID times. Whereas now I've been thinking about it so much more, especially with starting the podcast and even just with how, like the way the world is going. It's something that was always in my head, but for sure, I'm not going to lie, you guys. Like, I would kind of just assume in my head, unless the person told me otherwise. But now I think that I'm going to start saying that. If it's a new person I know, how do you identify, by the way?
1: Totally. And I think that's – though. I love the way you said it. It can be really as simple and non-awkward as that. It doesn't have to be the first thing that comes out of your mouth, but if you're chatting with someone, the conversation's moving along – And maybe you feel like you're about to assume their gender. Like maybe you're about to, I don't know, call them he or she. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's when you're like, oh, sorry, how do you, what are your pronouns, by the way? And the good thing is now that pronouns are becoming such like a hot topic and so widespread and like so many people are asking questions about it and curious about it, it makes the question even easier, right? You don't have to be like, sorry, what's your gender identity? Kind of, you know what I mean? You can literally just say, what are your pronouns again? Yeah. It's almost like asking, like, what's your favorite color? Totally. I like easy that. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy.
0: That was a, I think that was like an easy question
1: and um, it is okay. Agreed. This question ties into that a lot. The next question, question six What are some ways I can be better when it comes to the trans and non binary communities? What language can I use to be more inclusive? And so I think this ties into a little bit of what we were talking about before in terms of like not being afraid to just ask someone's pronouns. Um, that's a, totally a way that you can be more inclusive. That's totally a way that you can be more aware when it comes to trans and non-binary people. And I find that a lot of times lately when I'm talking about someone who's not around, who maybe I don't, I don't know very well, whether it's like a person – regular person or even a celebrity I often am finding myself being like before I say he or she I'll be like oh I'm not sure how they identify and then talking about them with they them pronouns for the time being like even that is a way to be a bit more like
0: aware oh my god Sarah I did that with you recently remember that was one of the first times I did that I
1: well
0: no I, I think there was a there was someone I was talking to on zoom And after I got off the call to talk to Sarah about it, because it was a great conversation after, I don't know if you remember Sarah, but I was like,
1: I don't really know how they identify.
0: So I'm just going to go by they.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's funny. I feel like you've done that a lot, but maybe you haven't noticed yourself doing it.
0: Maybe I haven't noticed it. Cause it's not like I'm, I'm never, I'm trying to never assume, but I think that
1: that's something that just stood out to me because it just happened recently where I was like, I don't know how
0: they identify. So I'm going to call
1: them they. I actually kind of forgot about that. like it 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 really doesn't have to be a big thing but I've just I found myself doing that a, a bit more lately you're doing it purposefully when the person's not around it it's it's automatically making you more aware more inclusive as a person it's not like you're doing it in a performative way when the person's right in front of you being like they them I don't know like this is someone who who has no idea you're talking about them, for you to just in the conversation with someone else be like, I'm not sure how they identify, so they, them, whatever. Like going on with the conversation using a more neutral pronoun. I think that's a way Mm -hmm. to be better. Mm -hmm. And it's just simply using they before jumping into he or she. Yeah. And not everyone identifies with they, them. I don't don't want to assume that everyone non-binary identifies with they, them. But it's a good way to start and be a bit more inclusive.
0: If you just want to, yeah, simple way to kind of be like, how can I just be better and inclusive? I think it's just, that's the easiest thing to do.
1: Yeah. And then you were saying being just open in general and just never assuming. Because what happens when you assume, purses? Versus-
0: when you assume you are just hurting other people's feelings. <laughs> and also most of the time, like when you're just assuming, you don't know that person's life. So
1: I was trying to prompt you to say, don't assume because it makes an ass out of you and me.
0: Wait, what's that from?
1: Have you never heard that?
0: No. Is that a saying?
1: Don't assume. Don't assume because it makes an ass out of you and me, baby. I've never heard of that, but that's really smart. I know. Actually, I think the first time I ever heard that was on um, eight Simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. I think the dad says it. That's amazing. I'm going to start using that now. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm going
0: to cut that so it just goes, wait, Sarah, ask me again.
1: No, uh, (laughs) Persis. Okay. Okay. I'll ask you again. Because Persis, what happens when you assume? Makes an ass out of you and me. (laughs) Not convincing enough. (laughs) No, it's not. It's clear that you did not know that before.
0: (laughs) Question number seven. Do we agree or disagree that the ideal, in air quotes, upbringing of a child essentially needs both the mother's and father's love? I personally disagree because I don't even think there's like a definition of like an ideal upbringing. I think everyone's stories are so different and like there's ups and downs within your growing up. And you know, you can grow up in a single parent household. You can grow up with two dads, two moms. I don't know. I just think like, I personally think all that matters is so like if you're a child and if you grow up with like love and validation from humans, like you don't even see them as mom or dad, just like these two individuals or one individual who can give you that, I think that's all you need because you can see so many people who grow, grow up in like a, the mom and dad in a household and yeah, maybe it looks doesn't like- Doesn't
1: turn out great.
0: <laughs> doesn't turn out great. Maybe it's the white picket fence <laughs> scenery that people always think is like normal family. Or then you grow up with like a mom and her gay son and he had the most amazing upbringing because she was so there for him and like accepted him. So I don't know. I disagree that uh, it's ideal.
1: Yeah. So I disagree that a child needs both a mother's and a father's love for all the same reasons that you just brought up. But I was thinking about this and- I do wonder if there's something to say about like having feminine and masculine influences in your life as you're growing up. And I know I know that like gender is, we're talking about gender as a social construct a lot and we're exploring that topic, but there is still something to say about like growing up with a feminine energy or growing up with a masculine energy and whether that's a parent, whether that's, you know an uncle or an aunt or even like a teacher or a coach I think those I think having both of those energies is actually important because you see examples of situations where someone had too much of one energy Mm -hmm. and maybe it kind of built some struggles for them in terms of like how they see the world because they don't have that balance between like feminine and masculine
0: I was going to, does that make sense? No, I I actually love that you brought that up because I didn't, I never even considered an energy thing, but you know how many times I've had moments in my life where I've been like, I'm feeling like I need a masculine energy right now, or I'm feeling like I really need a feminine energy, especially because I'm surrounded by a lot of women in my life. Right. Or, and like I said, it doesn't mean like you need to identify as a woman to have feminine energy. Right. Um, I can even get feminine energy off of my non-binary friends, like male friends, doesn't matter. But I've had those moments where I think the energies are important where I'm like, yeah, I kind of need that. So I think a part of, uh, a part of growing up is to totally maybe be like, I need to learn off of these two energies. So we shouldn't look at it as maybe like mom and dad, but look at it as like individuals of people who can kind of give you those different like perspectives
1: Totally, totally. And two moms, for example, one can be definitely a more masculine energy and one can be a bit more feminine. even going back to the Kids are All right, which is a movie that we discussed on our top seven queer films pod. I would say that uh Annette Benning plays a bit more of like the masculine role in the f- in the family in terms of like she's a bit more tough love. She's a bit more like. Um, rough around the edges kind of whereas um, Julianne Moore is maybe a bit more on the feminine side a bit a bit in touch with her emotions you know, and a bit more a bit softer around the edges
0: that's Sarah so, and I as a couple of we ever had kids l- by the way
1: <laughs> I'm Annette Benning, and you are Julianne Moore to a T yeah to a T But that means that you get to hook up with Mark Ruffalo.
0: I mean, in real, in all realness, I know, like Sarah would probably
1: be the one hooking up with Mark Ruffalo. I'd
0: be (laughs) hooking up with like another woman. I'd be like, I'd be hooking up with like
1: Angelina Jolie. Oh, she's in the movie all of a sudden. (laughs) She's in my version of the movie. Okay. (laughs) Persis's director cut. I think those energies can exist, but I do have to say if I was married to a woman raising kids, I do think I would want to have some sort of strong male figure around whether it's whether it's like yeah like an uncle or even anyone a friend cousin blah 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 i do think that that would be just more so not even not even i not an ideal upbringing per se and not even a necessity just like would add more richness to the child's developmental years
0: i love that and that's why i think it also goes outside the um walls of like just a mom and dad, a mom and mom, two dads. You're I like that you kind of tied into cousins, siblings, uncle, aunt. Like there could be so many people in your child's life that can bring the bring in those perspectives and those energies.
1: Totally. Question eight. As a straight person, why should I feel pressured to correctly assume someone's pronouns or the gender they identify as? I don't want to offend anyone But I wonder if there's a way for those things to be communicated more explicitly from the other person. This question came from someone who was wondering specifically about the pronouns that start with Z. Oh, okay. Z, Zer, Zers, Zerself, and how there's all sorts of new pronouns kind of popping up and people identifying with. Mm -hmm. And... I haven't researched this, so this is totally unresearched information, but apparently there were some um, laws that were trying to be passed that would make it, if you refuse to call someone by their pronouns or you called them by the wrong pronouns, you could be fined or charged something along those lines. It could be it could turn into a legal thing. And I, a lot of people were confused and didn't like that. This question is asking, I guess, why should it be my responsibility to just know your pronouns, and why should it be my responsibility legally to use them? So it's a complicated question, and once again, I feel like it just kind of comes back to a lot of stuff we've talked about, the first thing being this difference between biology and identity. Separate they're two different things. When you call someone by their pronoun, you're respecting how they identify. It has nothing to do with their biology. You can put that put that over over there in another little box for later because right now we're talking about how they would prefer to be referred to as, but I do see where confusion could come in with new pro- with new pronouns maybe being introduced and and people are just getting used to like they them, for example and then they're like zerns and, and and ziz and they're like wait i don't i don't know what that means and no one's educated me on that and i'm confused and a lot of people may already be confused about trans issues in the trans community so i can see where like confusion happens there and then when law gets brought in i could also see where maybe there's like frustration almost yeah. and i see uh, where they're yeah. saying well
0: then why am i responsible for this
1: right and and i think I think an a, actual helpful question that comes out of this is, is there a way that we can communicate better what our pronouns are? And I think this Instagram thing is a perfect start. And I actually don't know what the answer to that question is, but is there a way to be more explicit about them, to teach people better, to educate people better about them? I don't know if law is, is I don't know. How do you feel about that? I don't know how I feel about that. It's tough, right? It's definitely nuanced. I want people to be called what they want to be called
0: Yep, yep.
1: and to have that right, that basic right. And I want them to
0: feel like, yes, that basic right and to also feel like they're being heard for exactly like who they feel they are and how they identify.
1: Totally. But I also don't want anyone to feel scared that they're Mm -hmm. going to get in trouble with the law if they don't know what to call someone.
0: But doesn't it kind of come down to like – I don't know. If you're gonna get in trouble with the law, the way I read it is that you're like refusing to call someone by like what they're already telling you they identify as. Like if I make a genuine mistake, I don't and I'm I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't think I'm gonna get like in trouble with the law. (laughs) But if I'm coming at it like I refuse to call you by what you're telling me, then that's like a that person's issue.
1: Yeah, I and and once again like I said this is not researched. This is something that was told to me by, by someone. So I don't know the I don't know the actual like details, but I'm assuming that that's probably more so what what that was about. I don't even know if the laws were passed, but I think that's a whole different situation too. But I don't know, how do you do you think there that there are ways that we can make pronouns more explicit?
0: I really think like you said Instagram announcing that new feature was great. I think everyone should be putting in um, pronouns in their email signatures just because so it's there. I think um, to make it more explicit, I really do think using social media is like a really, really good way to, um, to showcase it and to make it normalized, you know, anywhere you go, like the pronouns are there and you already see that person. Even before you click their profile, you already know how they identify. I think that's probably the best way to be more explicit about pronouns rather than like, you running up to someone and saying, hi, how do you identify? Like we said, which is fine. That can come up in conversation when you're getting to know someone. But I think um, we need to implement it into like more of our um, online profiles.
1: Yeah. And I could see it th- with the rate it's going, I could see it becoming a thing where like your driver's license has your pronouns on it. Yeah. Your, yeah. you know, all of your government documentation has a has a f- part of the form where you put in your, a small part of the form where you're just like, she, she, her. Rather um, than just
0: like, because you always have like gender, male, female.
1: Exactly. So just subbing that out completely. Yeah, <laughs> just mean, say, like, what's your pronoun? Exactly. I think like that's, I think that's where things are heading. And I, I think you're right. I think that's the best kind of place to start. Um, we're not all going to walk around with like wearing a button that says our pronouns. Although I have seen, I have seen stuff like that. And I think that's cool. But I think what, um, something that, Persis wrote down here what on our list of all these questions is like just to just to just to be on the safe side and just to be a considerate person. Just go into every situation not assuming. That just keep that as your base level. I think that's I think that's good advice. Keep that as your base level. You don't need to like know you don't need to just magically know someone's pronouns when you meet them. But just go in openly, not assuming anything. You'll be fine. It's not like the conversation depends on you knowing their gender. So, um, kind of start there, I would say. Yeah, and that's see an where easy the conversation way. heads.
0: Yeah, that's a natural way to start. Totally agree. Never assume. I liked this question. Question number nine. Any tips for supporting young people who come out or share their journey with you? Recently, with starting Girl on Girl, and also through my YouTube channel, I have had a lot of people reaching out, sharing their coming out stories with me and their struggles or their joys and how like liberated they feel. And it's like, it's so, so amazing. So I think like in terms of supporting them, I know for me, I've always kind of tried to be a person where I'm like, I know I want you to feel like you can speak to me openly about these things. I can be that comfort for you if you don't have that in your community itself, because you know, people are reaching out from... Everywhere, you know, like not just in a very like bumping city like Toronto, where you know, there's obviously Toronto's not perfect, um, and you still need to find your community here. But some people are reaching out from places that are like hell to the no, like being <laughs> gay is totally wrong. Yeah. Um. But so I like to try and provide that comfort for people personally. But I do really like um, Sarah added this point into as we were looking through the questions is just to be like, to to support others like. Open yourself to being educated as well. And I think finding, like, different books, listening to music by queer artists, listening to those songs where the lyrics, like, actually speak to you, where you feel seen and heard. Like, that stuff really helped me. Podcasts. Listen to Girl on Girl, you know? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Watch films.
1: We also have a podcast about films.
0: We do. uh, Top seven queer movies of all time. but there's so many obviously there's so many other like queer podcasts to listen to ours
1: is great but like actually dummy essentially- lovato just announced one did you see that
0: yeah they did it's called 4d i think i actually don't even know that i haven't been keeping up with their podcast <gasps> i know i know but not not because i don't want to i've just been <laughs> oh i shouldn't i shouldn't announce that no no no. i will i will actually you I'll probably- better
1: cut that out or else they are not going to be pleased when they listen to this episode
0: i know um no i'll keep it in because i'm being real it's not that i don't want to it's that i i just haven't had the chance to like dive in but i will and i'm really proud of proud of them for doing that so yeah listen to that podcast 4d i
1: think it's called 4d with demi lovato i'm pretty sure
0: okay love that that of my la- la- I think love that's it love <laughs> of my damn laugh no, that's all right <laughs>
1: maybe they'll interview you
0: don't even put that. No, put that out there. Put that out there.
1: <laughs> I was like, you don't want that out there. No,
0: I was saying don't even sit because I was like about to pass out. Just like, mm. just say it to the moon right now.
1: Okay. I'll whisper it to the moon tonight.
0: Persis will be on Demi Lovato, 4D with Demi Lovato to speak out about her love for Demi. But anyway, I hope that answers question number nine. I think just, um, you know, supporting people, being that comfort for them if they reach out to you individually. I was just taking that as a personal thing. And I know Sarah has too, like if people also reach out to Sarah, she's also like sending them voice notes. She's sending them advice, just being there for them. But also in an outsider's perspective, seek out ways to continue to educate yourself. And also like maybe look out for other online communities because they're so beneficial.
1: Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say about this question, and we've said it before, listen. Listen to the people who are sharing their story with you and coming out to you first question 10 how do you get over your first breakup not necessarily a queer question but we liked it so we put it in i loved it honestly i know it's <laughs> literally it has nothing to do with queerness and i'm here for it
0: but you know what <laughs> okay listen I love this question so much because I died because, no, in the best way, because I feel like Sarah and I, we always laugh about how we're like, I don't know if we are equipped to be given this info, but I think we definitely do have some good advice (laughs) to tell you. How do you get over your first breakup? What can you do to um, get over that heartbreak situation? And Sarah, we're going to both, we're going to each take take it away, okay? Okay. So what I think is, To get over your first breakup, I really do think it's really important to reflect on the relationship, but also make sure you really, really do have that self-love. Don't be so hard on yourself for being like, why didn't it work out because of me? I mean, I've actually done that a lot, which is not a good thing to do. Um, I'm very quick to turn on myself when really it could have nothing to do with me. And yeah, maybe if it does have to do with me because I did something really shitty, then Persis, you got to learn from it, right? But I think um, at the end of the day, love yourself and know you're still evolving, have that, um, you're human, you're going to make mistakes, but you're also, you're not perfect. And that's okay. But also user, I think it's really important to get back into the dating game. I think it's also important not to wallow for too long. Um, get back into the dating game, try and see what else is out there. Don't force yourself. to some feel natural, but then have fun. And then maybe someone else will come along.
1: Hell yeah. I think that's great advice. Yeah, so my advice for how to get over uh, your first breakup is to write an entire album about it, and then record it and sing it and put it out onto the internet. Cause that's what I did for my first breakup, and it was uh, it wasn't it wasn't cute, but it was a great way to get over it. So highly recommend that. And also, you will never know, listeners, you will never know where to find that. What it's called. Listeners,
0: if we can get to 10,000 downloads <laughs> on
1: this podcast, uh huh, Sarah will release the album. Okay. Honestly, yep. If you guys get us to 10,000 downloads, right now we're almost <laughs> at five, so we'd have to double. Okay, by what date though? By what? Uh, I know, like we just leave it indefinite. Listen, guys, I recorded an entire album when I was like 17 years old. It's out there in the world. I will share with you exactly the whole album and where to find it if you guys can get us to 10,000 downloads by July 1st.
0: Okay. We'll also share snippets on the Instagram page. (laughs)
1: Persis. (laughs) No, we're taking this too far.
0: (laughs) Okay, fine, fine. It's actually a good album though, guys. It's good. It's good.
1: Listen, it's not good, but it was great for getting over this this breakup, and uh, and it's not all about the breakup, like this other stuff, but like most of it is. And then the other thing I would say is, after that, after the album's done, just get out there and see what the world has to offer. There's so many people out there in the world with different ways of living, ways of loving, and I think it's important while you're in. A relationship too to not tie too much of yourself to one person and not to put them on a pedestal. Um, it's so easy to do that, but you need to remember that you are a whole person always. Um, I I don't believe that when people say like, oh, this person is my other half. I don't believe in in that personally. I think I'm a whole and you're a whole and we we go good together. But um, you're not you're not. A half of me. I am a whole on my own. And when you can always keep that and hold it really close, then it doesn't matter if you break up, if you make up, like you will still be like confident in yourself and you'll be able to move forward. And not saying it's gonna be easy, but you'll be able to move forward and be like, who wants who else out there wants my whole self? Because I'm here for it.
0: Well listen guys, like I want Sarah's hole, she wants my whole
1: and I could see that you were way – you had this little look on your face. I could see. I could see that coming from a mile away, and you think you're clever. You didn't expect me to say that. I said – I didn't expect you to say that. That's pretty funny. I said hole a lot in the last, like, in the last minute.
0: Yeah, because you're trying to be sexual with me, and, like, listen, my mom and dad listen to this podcast, and, like, it's very um, inappropriate, Sarah, of you to always be talking about holes.
1: Rennie and Cyril, I know you're listening, and I just want to give you a special shout out and let you know I would never disrespect you like that. Ever. You'll You'll a million years. You'll only take advantage of their daughter. Never. <laughs> Except for your cottage.
0: <laughs> Fair. Which is now sold. I hope we answered your question. <laughs> I hope exactly. we answered your
1: Imagine this person writes, writes an album. I'd be so... So impressed and happy.
0: This question too. I loved it. How should a queer person respond to homophobic jokes in the workplace or anywhere?
1: Yeah. So I think that there's two kind of ways to look at this. If the joke is directed at you, then it kind of reminded us of what we talked about with Kyle when we interviewed him, where he was talking about like this level of confidence that he brought to all of his his scenarios on the schoolyard. If anything was said, if someone said, hey, you're gay, he'd be like, yeah, and... Um, and that was honestly before he even really knew if he was like what, exactly what his sexuality meant. Um, but he just had this confidence about him. And when you can respond to a homophobic joke directed at you with that kind of with that kind of like confidence, there's not much more the other person can say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh Have yeah. Re- w- where do you go from there? Yep. You can't tell another homophobic joke because you'll look like even more of an asshole than you already look like, and. Um, you know that you're not offending that person and you're not getting what you needed from that joke. So you kind of just like move along with your life.
0: I love that. And I think if that inherent con- confidence that Kyle had, and I hope like if a joke is directed at you, hopefully if it- you guys can also have that confidence to just be like, yeah. And so what? Cool. I'm happy.
1: Yeah. And I think that is our first piece of advice For this question but if you don't feel comfortable with that that's okay too and it's totally fine to do what makes you feel safest so if you feel safest to just lay low stay quiet and then maybe talk to someone you trust about it later on maybe that's if if this joke is happening in the workplace like the question says um maybe that's you know your hr department or a superior who you who trust you trust to talk to about it Um, whatever you feel safest doing. But if if you can bring that level of like F you attitude, like, or I am who I am attitude, I just, it always shuts a joke down. Nothing is like less funny than that. You know what I mean? Totally. Oh God, I love that. And then I think another important part of this question is that if the joke is not directed at you. So if you're just hearing homophobic jokes and you're an ally or a bystander, don't be afraid to inform the person who made the joke why it's homophobic. Don't be afraid to stand up for like your, your queer friends, to, to be truly um, an ally. And once again, whatever you feel most comfortable, like do that in whatever way makes you feel most comfortable and safe. A lot of straight people especially tend to think that everyone's so sensitive now, you can't make jokes now or whatever it is. I would say don't be afraid of that narrative that's a that's a narrative that is hurting p- people in the queer community so don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe in and you might get some eye rolls and that and if and if you value your your queer friends and your queer family more than those eye rolls then go for it go for it inform them educate them it doesn't have to be a fight but it can be matter of fact i love how you said that
0: Snap, snap. Question number 12. Is it fair for trans men to participate in women's sports? So honestly, I also... So Sarah and I, like I said, we kind of had some... We were kind of briefing over this. I think it's a really interesting question. And I'm actually like... I'm not... I'm not sure.
1: I'm not sure <laughs> I'm going to be so genuinely honest. Like, There's so many sides. There's so many sides to this question. Personally... I, I actually see both sides of this argument. The one side of the argument says that trans rights are human rights and a trans person should be able to participate in the sports league that matches the gender they identify with. Right. I agree with that.
0: Right, me too. But then
1: the, the other side says there's a competitive advantage that happens when a trans man competes in a women's sports because when you're born genetically a man, you – have higher muscle mass usually, more strength, more endurance typically than women. Mm-hmm. When a trans man plays in a women's league, then that's a huge competitive advantage typically for that trans man over all of the other women in the league. I see that side too. So that's like the competitive side of it. That's the that's um, also bringing in the rights of the other female players. Yeah. So I'm like – this is a tough one and then another question so so the person that was asked this question we had a really great conversation um about this and they were they were asking like is it unsafe for trans women to be competing against women particularly in high contact sports like really like boxing or wrestling which there are trans women competing in those um right now today and well not like today or tonight there's not like a match happening at the second but like currently um and is that unsafe, like um, like physically unsafe for the other female competitors? Like, what is the answer to this question? It's tough. I want to celebrate it. And then I also and put myself in the shoes of a female athlete, which I, I, I played sports all my life, right? Yeah. Thinking yeah. about me going back to the soccer field and there being a trans woman on the other team. But then again... Just- like demolishing everyone.
0: Right. But then I actually have a question though. You've also played a lot of co-ed
1: sports. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So
0: maybe it's like, we need to look at it a more of a situation. Like you could be playing soccer with like men and women, people who identify as a man and women on the team and you're still playing. It's recreational. It's fun. And you still do it. Maybe that's the way we need to look into this to say, you know what? Yeah, I think it is fair. And I think we need to look at it like
1: if the league was co-ed though, right? It'd be fair. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I love that point. And I think I think that in a co-ed league, I don't think that this would be a, this would be a, an issue at all because men and women are playing together.
0: Right. Right. But if it's like specifically a woman's league and then a trans woman is competing against another woman or...
1: Yeah. And, and there's not always going to be a, a huge competitive advantage, but a lot of times... A trans woman will have more strength speed whatever it is
0: yeah 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 for sure for sure
1: but i don't know like what this one this one really tripped me up
0: i would love to ask the audience like what they think for question 12 i'd love to hear what you guys think because to be honest i'm a little stuck
1: yeah and something that this person brought up was should there be a league just for trans people for all sports and i and that seems like a common ground that seems like maybe a solution where everyone can be treated fairly. and I I actually liked the the that idea in terms of like it does seem like a potential option where where trans people can still compete um but maybe uh, in a way that's fair more fair for anyone who's not trans mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: But then so and I liked that but then I I thought once again back to the trans person's rights and I and it made me, wonder if it was okay that they wouldn't be able to participate in the in the actual league yeah um, i'm not I'm, I'm not sure i just think it's a really interesting question i would love to would love to hear what you guys think
0: me too me too
1: open-ended
0: yeah very open-ended that was that was a tough one
1: okay purse question 13 i would say is probably the most important question um out of all of these questions
0: yeah we we left it for the very end only because guys like this one really shook me because I was like, the user who asked this, wow, thank you for finally asking the question that everyone has been wondering. Yeah. Um, you know, like, people need to know this about not only the queer community, it involves the queer community, but really, guys, it involves me.
1: Yeah, And deeply. I was like, deeply involves me. yeah. On so many levels, and I just think like there would there's no better way to end off this series of questions than to ask you, Persis. Ask me. Have you used your strap-on yet? No. And that's Girl on Girl. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, thank you everyone for sending those questions to us, um, whether you sent them on Instagram or talked to us about them in person. We have said this a million times this podcast is a space where you can ask these types of questions and where we can talk about them openly and answer them. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's a safe space here. So I'm really happy we finally got to do this episode, but if you have more questions, send them because we'll keep talking about these types of things. There's no limit to the amount of questions that we want to explore and answer, especially if they involve purses strap on. The so limit does not exist. The limit really doesn't exist. Um, shout out my girl Lilo. Yeah. Just thank you, everyone. And Perz, why do you think it's important that straight and queer people keep asking these questions? Because queerness is intersectional. If we haven't said it before, we say it again. Just because you're queer does not mean you don't have questions about being trans, being bi, being pan. Oh, my God.
0: Absolutely. And I, I actually do find like the more that we are all open with each other and we want to learn about each other and different communities, um, we can like... I don't know, eventually get to a place where we can like successfully smash these like stigmas and assumptions and um, even hate. And I mean, I really want to get to a place where we can do that because I get genuinely very excited when people ask me these questions. And if I ask them, like I ask people questions back and you actually just have a conversation about it, it's really beautiful. So
1: it is, let's get to a point
0: where like our world can eventually just all be Let's be open. Let's be open.
1: And even if you feel like these things don't apply to you, like maybe you're you maybe you're identify as straight, maybe you identify as straight and you I don't know, you feel like that you don't need to ask these questions or something, but I'll tell you from personal experience that asking these types of questions, getting answers, researching answers, just talking to more queer people in general has really made me enjoy it. And it's it's not just it's not a burden. It's not an extra task in my day. It's something that I've actually I've actually grown to really love. I love learning about the queer community, and I think that if you opened yourself up to asking these types of questions more, you would also love it too. Mm-hmm. Um, what's not to love? What's not to love? First of all, and second of all, you learn about yourself when you learn about the queer community, and you learn about like your own sexuality. So God bless. God bless.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. God bless. Girl on girl, God bless all of you and God bless Canada. I was going to say Canada. I was going to say America, but God. then not, not America I
1: felt like obviously saying America, but I was like, no, <laughs> no offense because we actually noticed that most of our listeners are from the States. So what up USA?
0: Move to Canada. Come, come hang with us. Yeah. Come anytime. All right, Sarah, are you ready to get into In Case You Missed It?
1: Definitely. Let's do it. So we, in case you guys haven't listened to an episode of Girl One Girl before, In Case You Missed It is a segment we do at the end of every episode where we talk about a little fun piece of news in the queer world. And this week was pretty easy to find a topic because we got sent this by a whole bunch of people and listeners and friends who were like... Oh my God, did you hear about this? You got to talk about this on the pod. So if you haven't heard yet, Australia just announced their new bachelorette, who is not only indigenous, but queer. Yes! Yes! That is what we have been
0: wanting. We need That's what we've been
1: waiting for. And once again, I just love Australia. Like, good on you, Australia, always. So her name is Brooke Blurton. She's 26. She's a youth worker. Um, she's a Noonjar Yamatji woman. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But that's, that's her tribe. She appeared in like previous seasons, I guess, of The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise, where she talked openly about being attracted to both men and women. She has been labeled as both bisexual and pansexual, but she says she typically doesn't have a preference she, of how she refers to her sexuality. So I feel like if she were hanging with us, we'd probably just call her queer. Yeah. She is so cute. When I saw her, I was like, oh, I feel like this is Purses type.
0: Are you can, Yes. I'm literally looking at a picture of her right now. Like, oh my God, can I sign up? Can I? <laughs> is it too late for me? Guys, bachelor, can I, um, can I sign up?
1: Do you think you have to be Australian to do it? Because Canadians can do American bachelor.
0: Yeah, they can. I don't know.
1: And sh- And she has like the accent, like this girl. Um, but anyway, the best part about all of this is that they are kind of like changing the way that they're, that they're casting. Um, so they're, they're making the casting diverse. They're including both women and men, which has never happened before.
0: No, it's never happened before. Like we said, we've had contestants who have come on the show and have competed and maybe identified as like bisexual or queer, but it's always like, the woman who maybe identifies as queer is competing for the man. Totally. Um, I remember there was a season where there was like a bi woman contestant, but this this is literally all Sarah and I wanted was for there to be someone who's in the community as the bachelorette or the bachelor, you know? Yes. And it have like a diverse cast, men and women competing each other, but it, competing against each other, sorry, or non-binary, however you identify. But it doesn't have to be like, listen, all my love to the show A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila when it was around that time, like, great. Of I course. think that, that was a good move. Respect. 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 Yeah. Um, You know how I feel about Tila now, so, like, meh. But, like, at the time, respect. I think it'll be good to show it in this Bachelor light rather than, like, kind of the MTV raunchy show that exactly. Tila Tequila was.
1: Yeah, Bachelor has this, like, very, you know, premium romantic air about it. So, it's taken seriously I guess you could say like the 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 romance is taken seriously there's a lot of commentary about this and like I think all we want to say is that we're excited about it I have never watched the Australian Bachelor but I think I'm going to um I don't see how I couldn't watch it like if I can find it somehow (laughs) anyone listening from Australia like send us the link this, I think, is a huge step forward for the entire franchise um, and just for Australia.
0: Um, I'm going to watch it. I don't. And you know what? I'm not even a crazy bachelor girl. Like, some, I, I barely keep up. You know, I did watch the latest season with Matt James just because I was like, you know what? It's something to watch. It was fun. Winter months, I'm getting cozy and I want to watch it. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I'm going to I'm gonna go above and beyond to try and find the links to watch
1: this Aus- Australia queer bachelorette who's also gorgeous. So, like, uh, yeah, count me in. Yeah. I also think it'll be a great way to kind of like uh, start to smash some of these biphobias that we've been talking about. Oh yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Hopefully,
1: hopefully, hopefully it doesn't churn them further, but
0: yeah,
1: I think it'd be great if this could be a place to like change up some of those stigmas.
0: Agreed. And you know, show Brooke really potentially falling in love with these different people and people uh, like you can actually see that represented like right in front of your eyes and see the different types of love if she's experiencing it with like a diverse cast. I think that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. And she's indigenous. So even better.
0: Even better. you literally like everything about this is amazing and I'm so excited.
1: Me too. And the last thing I'll say is that I saw she made this really cute um, post on her story when the announcement was happening and all the chaos was going on with like press and stuff and it was just this really sweet little post where she said like I know I'm representing a lot right now in many ways not just the queer community but the Australian indigenous community but at the end of the day I'm just Brooke I genuinely just want to find someone a partner in life it was like this it was a sweet like it felt very genuine. It felt very much like I'm just along for the ride. Um, and I just want this to be authentic. And I want it to be – I don't want it to be, like, gimmicky. I want it to be me. And then it was like, if you – if this resonates with you, like, I'd love for you to apply. It was like an open casting call for, like, to date me. I'm like, princess, hop on the next plane to Australia. Like, this <laughs> girl is – the oh, man. Wouldn't it be so great if you were a contestant on this?
0: I know. Wait, when did you
1: see this post? Oh, it was a while ago. It was like (gasps) last week or something. Sarah. Well, it wasn't like click now or you'll you'll never (laughs) be able to apply.
0: (laughs) Should I apply? Guys, girl on girl, is it too late for me to apply? I'm not even kidding. Maybe I'll apply just for fun.
1: Yeah, give it a go. I support you.
0: Imagine me on The Bachelor trying to compete. Bachelorette, I mean.
1: I think you would get the the first rose. What's it called? First, first impression, impression
0: rose. You think?
1: Yeah, 100%. Because you'd be like the Canadian and they and yeah, you'd be like a novelty.
0: Oh my god, yeah, in a sea of Australians.
1: Yeah, they think you were like cool and <laughs> I'm assuming that Australians think Canadians are cool.
0: Yeah, maybe they'll be like, "Okay, get this girl out of here." <laughs>
1: But anyway, that's our in case you missed it. And Brooke, we're so happy for you. We can't wait to watch this season. Um if you ever want to come on the pod, listen, you're more than welcome. Yeah, you're
0: more than welcome. Obviously. Come on the pod, girl. 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 <laughs> come hang out. We'll we'll make it fun. We'll have well, we're acting as if we're literally having Brooke on the pod. <laughs> She's kind of busy. You know, she has to it's film almost 369.
1: Season. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've said this many, many times when we've talked about like a celebrity or anyone, I'll be like, come on the pod. I'm trying to put it out there into the universe so that the universe will answer.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I love that. Thank you so much. (laughs) Guys, if anyone wants to know, Sarah and I just had a moment where we just stared deeply into each other's eyes. (laughs) Sarah, Sarah, well, I love you. Another day, another dollar.
1: I'm going to go wipe my cat's ass.
0: I'm going to go wash my face, probably put on a movie, drink some tea, cozy up. I'm getting into like major cozies tonight. Now the AC is on, so it gets kind of chilly in my room now, so I'm going to uh, be I can sleep cozy.
1: That sounds I love. I love when Percy gets cozy. It makes me feel so cozy too. Cozy is a state of mind. It's a state of being. Um and it's not something to be to joke about. It's not a joke. All right, well, enjoy. <laughs> I feel like that went on for way too long. (laughs) (laughs) I like to end things abruptly. Okay, well, bye. Okay, enjoy. Talk (laughs) to you later.